Okay, so we're talking about uh, choosing and uh, making good decisions. Today we want to talk about choosing surrender over control. Now this is part two of our series. Last week we talked about choosing purpose over popularity. I brought to your attention that presently we are the sum total of the choices or decisions that we have made in life up to this point. So the decisions that you're making today determine who you will be tomorrow, what you will become, and what you will be, uh, and what you will do in the future. So today I want to talk about a big choice that I believe that every single one of us will need to make in different areas of our lives. We are going to choose surrender over control. So, I choose surrender over control, and that is my challenge to you, to do the same. How many of you love to be in control in, in some area of your life? Let me see your hands. Okay, I think everybody, most everybody raised their hand. And, and it's true, I think all of us battle uh, at least one area of wanting uh, to control, especially at work. Um, you know, do it my way in my time. If you don't do it right, then I'll do it myself. Now, those of you who are supervisors, you may have that attitude. You may have tried it. Uh, some of you actually work for that person that I'm describing, uh, others of you probably are that person. And I think at, at home, uh, some of you are probably control freaks. Everything has a place. Everything has to be done your way. Don't touch that. Leave it there. Now, honestly, I have to admit that I have a problem in this area. Um, I have an exact routine that I go through uh, as I get up in the morning. Uh, it never changes one iota. Not a bit. Uh, I use an exact order when I mow the grass. I always start in the same place. I always mow the same direction, and I always end at the same place. I mow the different sections of the yard in an exact repetitive order. I always drive to the church taking a specific route. When Gina drives and chooses a different route, I have to bite my tongue because she has not chosen the best way. She has not chosen my way. Uh, and she should drive like I do. It just comes down to that. Okay. I always eat one thing at a time. I've always done this my whole life. Um, we were at Cracker Barrel uh, Saturday night a week ago eating dinner with Eric and Mary Bridges. Eric is the, dry, uh, the preacher at the uh, Delray Christian Church. Now, I ordered turnip greens, which I almost always do when I eat at Cracker Barrel, plain, no vinegar. Now, the waitress said to us that, um, that those greens, the smell of them made her sick to her stomach. 
And so uh, she said, at least you ought to eat them with vinegar. You know, it helps to, to kill some of the original odor. Well, after serving our food, she came back later and asked me, she said, you don't like the greens? I mean, I hadn't touched them yet. I said, no, it's not that. I'm just saving the best to last. So, you know, we all struggle with this, this issue of control. We all have issues, and this issue of control really is a big issue. It's fun to make fun of each other, but the reality is whenever we're trying to control something, um, something that is not ours to control, it is a sign that we have a really big spiritual trust problem. Whenever we feel we have to be in control, we are, in essence, trying to be God. I want to control because I know what is best, so I'm trying to be like God. Okay, here's our text again, which I read at the beginning of the service. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Okay, that's wanting to do things your way. What you understand is best. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He is God, I am not. He is God, you are not. He is God, okay? And he will make your paths straight. In other words, we will be obedient. We will be following his way. I'm going to ask you to pray that God will help you to live out these powerful truths that we're going to talk about from his word uh, today. The more we try to control, the more we're afraid of losing control. That's what it really is. So this becomes an endless cycle. The more we try to control, the more we're afraid of losing control. The more afraid of losing control we are, the more we try to control. And so, you know, it's like that hamster wheel. You know, we get on, it's the cycle of fear, and we just keep going round and round and round. Essentially, we are edging God out because we want control. So, I'm encouraging you to choose today surrender over control. Now, let's talk about control gone bad. And it can go that way. When, when we try to take control and we're not surrendered to God, we rarely get it right. Listen to the story of Abram and Sarai. Now, we know them as Abraham and Sarah, which are, are how God changed their names later in life. Um, now, if there's anybody who battled control issues in their life, it was Abraham and Sarah. Uh, one time when Abraham was really afraid for their safety, he lied. He took control of the situation. Instead of saying, Sarah is my wife, he said, Sarah is my sister. Uh, he tried to control the situation. Um, at, Sarah was a beautiful lady, and even though she's uh, older uh, in age at this time, she's still beautiful, and Abraham was afraid that he would be killed uh, so that 
the men could take Sarah uh, for themselves. Well, the biggest example, though, was the fact that they were childless for years and years after God uh, gave them the promise and told Abraham uh, that you will be the father of, of many nations. And so God said that, and then what happened? Nothing. Nothing happened. Um, there was no baby. And so Sarah did what many of us do. When nothing happened, she decided uh, to take control and bring about the desired outcome her own way. And this is a perfect example of control gone bad. Listen to Genesis 16, verses 1 through 4. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. Okay, so she's barren. But she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Okay, so she made fun of Sarah. Um, you know, okay, you're, you're not able to have children. You know, here, you know, I'm carrying Abraham's child. And it was, it was a bone of contention, really. So God was taking too much time, uh, in Sarah's way of thinking, to fulfill the promise so she took matters in her own hands. Now, of course, Abraham agreed. He's a man, you know? And so, um, you know, Sarah offers this proposition. He, I mean, he's obviously not thinking clearly either. Um, and, and here's the thing I want you to see. We're, we're looking at a time period when, um, when women were treated like property. And especially in a case like this where Hagar is a maid servant, so she's really not a part of the family, you know, so she's an outsider. And so Sarah makes the decision for her to have a child in Sarah's place. And uh, so she gives her uh, to Abraham. Now, apparently, Hagar had no say in this. And uh, maybe she felt that this was a positive thing, so she was in agreement. But I'm not certain that she had any choice. Uh, once Sarah decided, I think, that was, I think that was it. Well, amazingly, this one controlling situation ended up impacting people for centuries to come, including our lives today. Uh, the Middle East is still a powder keg. It has been for years. You see, Hagar gave birth to Ishmael, and Ishmael fa fathered the Palestinians. So all the Arab nations come from Ishmael. So Abraham is their father. Now the vo most famous of, of Ishmael's offspring was Mohammed. Have you heard of Mohammed? 
Okay, so he's the father of Islam. In God's timing, Isaac was born to Sarah. He fathered the Jewish nation and specifically Jesus. He was the direct ancestor of Jesus. To this very day, there is tension between the Jews and the Palestinians, and that really is putting it it mildly, and so that was control gone bad. Guys, don't ever sleep with a woman named Hagar. Got that? Chances are you'll never be tempted by a woman named Hagar, but you will be tempted by someone or something. You will be tempted to take control when something doesn't go your way. If you're a single Christian girl, you want a single Christian guy, but you can't seem to find one, uh, a lot of times you'll just settle for a guy. Uh, I know I'm supposed to be, not supposed to be unequally yoked, but, you know, he does really have a cute smile. And he has a good job. I can change him over time. But guess who most frequently ends up changing? It's you. Maybe you're struggling with a financial issue. Okay, so you've been around church for a while. You know that you're supposed to put God first. Uh, you're supposed to return a tithe to the Lord uh, as, as an act of worship. And that's very freeing, very liberating. And God blesses you in return. But no, that doesn't make sense to you right now because, you know, your things are really tight. Uh, so, really, you screwed up your life on your own. Um, you could screw it up more if you do, try to do it your way, and so you take control. Or maybe you're a helicopter mom. You hover over your children. Johnny's got a science paper due. You do it for him because you want him to get an A. Somebody picks on Johnny. Wait till she finds out who that kid's mom is. Yeah, Johnny's mom's going to get a piece of her. Johnny's going to check the mail. Johnny, put on your helmet. Wear your knee pads. Be careful as you walk out to the mailbox. As she stands in the doorway, watching his every step. Overprotective parents have got to be in control, but it causes problems. A Huffington Post article recorded that of recent college graduates, 8% actually bring one of their parents with them to job interviews. I would not hire such a candidate. What area in your life are you trying to control? It could be a person. It could be a thing. It could be a circumstance. Don't tell me that there's no area in your life that you're trying to control. Okay, think about it. And then I've given you a full line and maybe a fourth um, to respond 
and write it on, that, on those blank lines. And you might have multiple res responses because you might be trying to control a lot of things. Okay, I don't see a lot of writing going on. So you know what that tells me? That tells me you're trying to control this situation. Because I ask you to do it, you are intentionally not going to do it. Okay, so I got you. Well, it could be your kids, even grown kids. It could be your finances. It could be your job, future, your spouse, your image. Um, what are you going to do? Is this something that really is yours to control, what you've written down? Or is it something you're supposed to, and let's go back to our text, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Okay, there are three questions that will help you choose surrender over control. The first is, is it worth my concern. Okay, so when building a growing church, a leader, such as myself, could be an elder, could be any other kind of leader in the church, um, a leader has to make a choice. You can either have control or you can have growth. But you can't have both at the same time. They, they just don't work together. The solution to this dilemma is that a leader has to empower people. In other words, he has to delegate. In relationships, you can have control or you can have intimacy. But if you've got to control, it will be at the cost of intimacy. You can't have both. Now, the problem is sometimes we get ticked off about things that really aren't that big of a deal, but we hurt the relationship because we think it is a big deal. Your husband or your kids don't fold the towels and washcloths out of the dryer like you do. And so every time they do it wrong, you fuss at them. One day, your child walks out of the house and his clothes don't match. His hair doesn't look right. It's not normal. Maybe he forgot to comb it. Is that going to keep your child from getting into the college of his choice? No. No. Um, in five years, is this going to make a difference? No. Have you ever noticed that the glass front doors where most of you walk in um, of the church building are, always have fingerprints on them about knee height or somewhere between the knee and the waist? Okay, there's a reason for that. And I've heard people complain about that. And so they'll ask the question, does anybody ever clean the glass? Well, let me tell you. I'm the first one to get here in the morning and the, the front door glass is pristine. It's perfect. So it happens later. It wasn't that nobody cleaned it. Um, the options include 
requiring all children to wear gloves. Maybe Andy would share his gloves uh, with, with your children. Um, another more drastic solution would be to cut the children's hands off. Well, well that certainly isn't practical. And so all of us need to chill out. Uh, this is not a major issue. You know, sometimes the thing that drives us crazy is actually the thing that we're going to miss one day. You know, your children will grow up and leave home. You won't have to worry about them folding the towels. And your husband may predecease you. And so all these crazy issues do is hurt the intimacy of our relationships. Now, the second question is, is it mine to control? Is it something I should do something about? Well, sometimes the answer is yes. Uh, all of us should be aware that God will not do everything for us. Did, have you ever known somebody that thought God was going to do everything for them? God's going to give them a mate. God's going to give them a job. God's going to give them a better paying job. You know, God's going to take care of everything in life. Well, it doesn't work that way. God wants you to do some things yourself. So there's a big difference between surrendering control and relinquishing or giving up responsibility. We have responsibility. If you're messed up financially, you don't sit around saying, God's going to come through for me. You know what God would say in that case? He would say, I gave you two hands and a brain. Go to work. Don't spend so much. Spend less than what you're making. Get a second job. Do something about your circumstance. Now, if your marriage is in trouble, adjust your heart. Examine yourself. You can suggest maybe we need counseling. We should be in a life group. We need spiritual connection with other believers. If your child is making bad decisions, make yourself available to that child. Build a bridge. Make sure the lines of communication are open. Do what it takes. Do anything you can uh, to rectify those situations. If you're a single guy and you want to get married... Quit playing Pokemon, move out of your mom's basement, and get a job. Brush your teeth, put on deodorant, do the things that you should do. Ask yourself honestly, is it mine to control? If it is, then do something about it. Well, if it's not yours to control, is it for God alone? Are you trying to control what only God should control? Let's look at Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7. Paul says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, understand that Paul was chained to a Roman guard at this time. He is under house arrest. 
when he, when he pens these very powerful words. Is Paul in a situation to be anxious? Well, yeah. I would be anxious in that situation. Notice how he says to respond in every situation. He says by prayer, petition, and oh, don't forget to thank God for all that he's done for you and for all that he's given you. Then make your requests known to God. You know what? I believe that we insult God every time we say, well, all we can do now is pray. You know, when we say that, and and I know people mean well, but it's almost like this is our last resort. (laughs) We've done everything else we can do. Okay, so now all of a sudden we're recognizing our limitation. And we're, you know, so we're turning it over to God. But, you know, I, I imagine that God in heaven is saying, well, you're screwed now. You know, all you got is me, man. That's bad. Prayer is never a last resort. Prayer is always the first line of defense or offense. We can go boldly before the throne of grace. We can have access to God. He hears our prayers, and he says, with me all things are possible. The supernatural peace of God will guide our hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. When there is something that we can't control, we need to trust God with it, and he will give us peace. You're married, and your spouse is making bad decisions. Can you change your spouse? Um, You may think you can, but you can't. You can make your spouse miserable. You can make him or her crazy. You can drive him or her away. But God can change your spouse. Can you physically heal your body or the body of a loved one? If you or they have cancer, can you heal that? Well, you can get chemo. You can get the best of doctors. You can eat right. Can you heal? No. Can God heal? Yes. Trust him. Can you control your kid's future? You can threaten them. You can drive them away from you. You can create a wall where there's no trust between the two of you. God can be actively involved in their future, leading them in the right and wise ways. So invest in your children, but trust God with all your heart. Whenever you ask, is this worth my concern? Many times it's not. Let it fly. Is it mine to control? If it is, do something about it. If not, is this for God alone? God is faithful and God will take care of us. He will never forsake us. 
But we must surrender control over to Jesus. Nothing good will come out of our control. Oh, we have to be responsible and do what we can do, but our control is limited. In reality, our efforts at control are really indicative of us trying to play God. Because God is good, we choose surrender over control. May God's Holy Spirit draw us ever close to Him. Our text again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. When you follow Jesus, you aren't in control. He is. We're going to stand. We're going to sing our song of decision. Uh, you have the opportunity to make a decision today. I want you to contemplate that as we stand and sing together.